right, why don't you go ahead and grab a Bible and open up to the book of Acts in chapter 11. If you don't own a Bible or don't have one, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. We invite you to, to join us and follow along there. We'll be around Acts 19 or so in just a few minutes. But it's a, a really exciting week for our church that we're getting ready to kick off, Neighbors and Nations Week, and really want to continue to advance and grow as a church that realizes we are God's tool to make Jesus known. Now, all of that that we're doing this week kind of really flows out of a conviction for us as a church. If you're new, you're, you're going to hear stuff like this, you've been around, you kind of know this is who we're continuing to grow and be as a church, but uh, we know that we live in a pretty dark world. It's a kind of a, it's a broken world because of sin, and there's hopelessness and loss and death and all that. That's the world we live in, and at the same time, we believe to the very core of our being that Jesus saves. Well, I think we believe that. Let me try that again. We believe Jesus saves. Jesus transforms broken lives and broken hearts. And I'm looking at a bunch of you sitting here this morning that your testimony is I was broken and Jesus put me back together. Jesus saves. And with that, we also believe that every believer... Every born-again child of God has been called, commissioned, empowered, and I would even say this, privileged to make known the message of reconciliation that Jesus saves, to make that message known. We have that privilege. It starts right here where we live, where you live, your neighbors and your workplace and your classmates and your family members and and right where God has planted you none of you live work go to school where you do by chance it is the providence of God he's planted you there and he's planted you there for a purpose to know him to make him known with your lives and we believe that as a church So over the next few days, what we're doing, we do this a couple times a year, we kind of get really laser focused on that reality, and we want to do everything we can as a church to challenge one another, to continue to grow in that. We want to equip one another in the area of of personal evangelism and discipleship, and we want to continue to advance and really see the big picture. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but see the big picture of what a local church like ours can do together here in the Tri-Cities, and reaching to the ends of the earth. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. So I'm going to share some truths from Scripture. It's not really going to be walking through a text like we normally do this morning. I want to share some things from Acts 11, and then our elders are going to join me on stage. We're going to do an elder conversation, we call it. We're going to talk about this week, what it means for you, what it means for us as a church. But all this that we're doing, I think it's important to be reminded that everything we're doing when it comes to the Great Commission, making Jesus known, this mandate we've been given, we didn't dream that thing up. It came from the very mouth of Jesus. (laughs) Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that the foundation of discipling and the foundation of church planning and the foundation of going to the unreached and all that is because Jesus told us to do that. So you don't have to turn there, just keep your Bibles open to Acts 11, that's where we're going to be in just a minute, but let me remind you the words of Jesus, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very familiar to the majority of you, but just to kind of set our trajectory this morning in the words of Jesus. So 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples there. This is post-cross, post-resurrection. He's already died. He's been raised from the dead. His disciples have witnessed that. He's about to go back and ascend to the Father and leave his Holy Spirit to his disciples. And he declares something pretty incredible to his disciples there. He says this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And by the way, that's everywhere, right? And by the way, that ought to encourage you this week when you're maybe sitting across a table with someone sharing the gospel or you're going to a neighbor or whatever that looks like. There will not be a place that the sole of your foot ever treads that's not under the authority of King Jesus. That's pretty good news, isn't it? So all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and earth. Then he says to us, his followers, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's the main verb in this whole passage of make disciples, followers, which involves proclamation of the gospel, the investment of the truths of Scripture, baptizing, teaching, this whole process of discipleship that begins with gospel proclamation. What is the message of the gospel? So he says, go make disciples. Where? All nations. <laughs> Everywhere. In other words, there's no place on earth where there are not people that need Jesus. All nations, all ethne of the, the, the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, ongoing discipleship. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, as you go, I'm with you. And I'm with you to the end of the age. And there will be an end of the age. There will be a season when all of this comes together and Jesus returns and the mission of Jesus is accomplished. You're a part of a mission that will not fail. That's good news. There'll be a day that the consummation of time comes and Jesus returns and makes everything right. Until then, you've been given a message to go tell that Jesus saves. Go tell. With his presence, his power, and in response to just being overwhelmed with the greatness of who Jesus is. Because we sang that song this morning, I'm sitting there thinking about that even in my own life. Listen, whatever you enjoy most, whatever you find is your greatest pleasure in life, you will talk about it. Period. That's true of me, that's true of you. What we worship, we will witness about. What you love, you will talk about. That's true for all of us in all spheres of life. Whether that's your favorite restaurant, whether that's your favorite phone and the new iPhone that came out and we're so excited about it, we're always, by the way, evangelizing somebody about something. We are. Jesus says, man, go make disciples of Christ of me. The call that Jesus has given us here. So for us, over the next few days, we're going to kind of be wrapping around this big truth. And here's the big truth. Making disciples demands we share Jesus and leads us then to plant churches. And we're going to be talking about that. Planting churches is kind of the overflow of this disciple-making mandate that Jesus has given us. So what I want to do for just a few minutes here from Acts 11 is, is I want to try to bring this as practical and as home as I can to us because I know in a room like this, a church like this, we have people on all the different, uh, the spectrum, so to speak. We, we have some of you in this room who say, 
Man, sharing the gospel, it's a challenge, it's difficult, but man, it's just part of who I am. I, I, I really have grown in that area, and I, I'm making Jesus known to my neighbors and friends. And, and then there's some of you over on the other extreme of the perspective that if we were really honest, let's be honest, we're in church, okay? If you were really honest, you say, man, the Bible calls me to share the gospel? Me? I can't even tell you anything that would horrify me more, Pastor Mike, than the idea that I'm to be the one sharing the message of Jesus. That just horrifies me, the thought of that. So we have, them on the diff- we have you on the different perspectives. I understand that. And some of you fall in between. This idea of making disciples and declaring Jesus is somewhat unnatural to some of us. So what I want to show, to show you a picture. So in Acts 11, beginning in verse 19, is a group of disciples who as they go, they're making Jesus known. It's who they are. And they're filled with the power of God. It results in a church being planted, the church at Antioch. We'll get there in just a few minutes. But I think there's some practical application for you and me, ordinary, everyday disciples, in this whole idea of making Jesus known. So read with me Acts 11. I'm going to begin right around verse 19. Context of what we're getting ready to read. This is after Pentecost. This is after the church is birthed in Jerusalem. A few months later, the disciples who were there in Jerusalem, they've been multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. The church has been growing and growing and growing. Everybody's not happy about it. The religious leaders in Jerusalem, they're not happy about it. The authorities, they're not happy about it. They're kind of turning the world upside down. So this follows, what's this? A season of extreme persecution. Now persecution isn't, I give you a funny look. Persecution here isn't even, you know, you might get passed over for a promotion. Persecution here that we're talking about, that these disciples are coming out of, means it, it will probably cost you your job. You're going to lose your property. You're going to be pushed on the fringe of society at best. At worst, it's going to cost you your life. You say, that's kind of extreme, Pastor Mike. That's what these disciples are coming out of. And here's the convicting thing for you and me. I can come up with every excuse in the world of, of why I, I, I'm not sharing the gospel or not sharing the, uh, you know, about Jesus with whoever. I can come up with every excuse in the world. These guys have lost everything. They have been booted out of their town, out of their city, out of their home, out of their friends, everything. And as they go, they don't stop talking about Jesus. It's awesome. Verse 19. So then. Those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen. You know the story of Stephen, first Christian martyr, stoned to death because he was proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection. So that's the culture and the environment that they're coming out of. They have been scattered out of Jerusalem. Some made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. So some went and proclaimed Jesus to Jews. Verse 20, but there were some of them. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, they came to a city called Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you three big ideas this morning, and then our elder is going to come up and have a conversation. Number one is this. Disciples share Jesus as we go. Disciples of Jesus share Jesus as we go. 
Now, I'll just tell you, for me, when I read this passage in Acts 11, it kind of knocks out every excuse I can come up with of why I don't, I don't share the gospel. Extreme persecution, they're running for their lives, and every place they go, they can't stop talking about Jesus Christ because he's so transformed their lives. It's odd to me, and I wrote this down because I don't want to miss it, that for these disciples here, the most naturally occurring thing was that wherever they went, wherever they were, they were simply ongoing, sharing the message that Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus saves, and he can save you. Wherever they went. It was the most natural thing for them. Now watch this. Why then is it, if we were real honest, 2,000 years, years later, us in the West and the comforts of the West, if we were real honest, the majority of believers would have to say, it is the most unnatural thing for me to even contemplate sharing the gospel with somebody and calling to repentance and leading them to Christ. I, I, I'm challenged. Why is that? Why is it that all the statistics, if we're really honest, in churches, churches much like ours, 90% of most of the people in churches never share the gospel with anybody. Why is that? Why is what should be the most natural, for some reason, unnatural to us as believers? Why is that? It's a tension. One of the reasons we do things like we're doing called Share Week, and one of the reasons we continue to try to lead out in this, and I'll just be honest, and here's one of the hopes of this next week, and as we continue to grow as a church, and I'll just say over the past three to five years, we've grown as a church significantly in this. Our, church, our culture here is changing, that we are making Jesus known. But here's the hope, and here's what happens. This is Christian growth, by the way. The things in our flesh that are very unnatural and we resist against, the more control the Spirit of Jesus has in our lives, those unnatural things become natural. Did you get that? In other words, you don't have to have a share week. (laughs) We don't have to have somebody pushing and prodding. In the South, there's things that we do naturally. Man, you see your neighbor in trouble. We're hospitable in the South. It is natural for you to go over and help your neighbor because it's who we are. As believers, my hope for me and my prayer for me and for us as a church culture that it becomes the most natural thing in the world that as Jesus has control of my life, I'm so enamored with who he is, it's the most natural thing. You're around me for very long, you're going to hear about Jesus. Not in a mean, demeaning way, not in a judgmental way, but in the greatest demonstration of love you can ever come up with. I pray that what some of us see as unnatural over the next few years becomes just natural. It's who we are. It's what we want. It's who these disciples were. So for us, Share Week is coming up as a tool to help advance this. Beginning tomorrow, we, we're doing something called Share Week. And Share Week is the idea of this. Every member who calls Tri-City Baptist Church their home, we're challenging all of you to take naturally recurring meals in your week. And, and over those meals, invite a neighbor, a friend, a family member, whoever it is. Maybe it's one of your three on your list. Invite them to lunch. Say, hey, man, let me take you out for lunch. And ask God to give you the opportunity Open the door to be able to share the message of the gospel of who Jesus Christ is over this week. You say, Pastor Mike, it makes me very nervous. I'm not equipped. I don't even know what I would say. I need some conversation starters. If you go to our website, tcbchurch.go, backslash go, there's tools there for you. There's resources for you. And the idea is every meal this week, 
By the way, here's the qualifications to participate in Share Week. Number one is you know Christ, you've been born again. Number two is you eat a meal at some point this week. That's the other qualifications. Take one of your meals, coffee, whatever it may be, and invite somebody that you love enough, that you know enough, and pray that God gives you the opportunity to share the gospel. So that every meal this week, when you sit down and you pray over your meal, you think somebody from my church family might be sharing the gospel. Lord, I pray for their boldness. Every meal this week. It might be a coffee shop. It might be a lunchroom at school. It might be your home. It might be Golden Corral. Maybe not Golden Corral. I don't know that you can share Jesus over the chocolate fountain at Golden Corral. Maybe you can. The point is, this week, we're going to focus and challenge one another to grow from what might seem unnatural, that over time, by the Spirit of God, it becomes very natural that we are a people that makes Jesus known. We want to see that happen. So I encourage you to participate. Share this with your life group. We're going to gather tonight and pray together over here at 6 o'clock as a church about this. We'll say more about that in a second. And share this. You're not in this alone. We are doing this together. Secondly, so Jesus followers, as we go, we make disciples. Secondly, I want you to see this. Sharing Jesus is for everyday, ordinary disciples. One of the stumbling blocks often seems to be, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not seminary trained, I'm not all this stuff. Listen to verse 20 of Acts 11 again. But there were some of them, if you write in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that, some of them, we don't know their names, we don't know anything about them, just some of them. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks also and preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. I love that. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them and what was going on there reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent a dude named Barnabas back to Antioch, verse 26. And for an entire year the church they met with the church. There wasn't a church there a year prior, but through the sharing of the gospel and the making Jesus known by this group of people, people came to Christ and a church was birthed where there was not a church before. Here's your big idea. Sharing Jesus is for everyday, ordinary disciples. That's you and me, by the way. The church in Antioch, historically speaking, is one of the most impactful churches in the history of Christianity. It was the first Gentile church. It was the first place uh, believers were called Christians there at Antioch. It's where Paul was sent out from. It covered uh, Europe in churches that were started out at the church at Antioch. And here's my question. Watch this. I love this illustration. Do you know who God used to start the church at Antioch? We don't know. In other words, the Bible doesn't even bother to tell us who they were, what their names were, their, their credentials, their pedigree, their education. What, were they pastor or elder? Who, it doesn't matter. You know what the Bible tells us about them? Watch this, verse 20. There were some of them. You know who you are? You know who I am? There were some of them. I'll tell you, this is challenging. 
Because if the enemy in our flesh tries to convince us, well, if I was more educated or if I had a position or, or any excuse you come up with, the Bible says, here's who was responsible for making Jesus known and planting one of the most impactful churches in the last 2,000 years. We're here today because of the church in Antioch, by the way. And who was used to plant it? Some of them. Some of them. God chooses to use everyday, ordinary disciples to make Jesus known. They took the mission personally. They didn't say, listen, making Jesus known is for the professionals. No, they didn't think that way. Wherever they went, wherever God placed them, they were making Jesus Christ known. They were sharing the message of reconciliation and calling for repentance and faith. They, they lived on mission continually. One commentator said, these ordinary people were simply living an ordinary life with gospel intentionality. Ordinary people, ordinary life with gospel intentionality. Thirdly, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, this is awesome. These people that God used to make Jesus known and these people God used to plant this church called Antioch. Verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Man, the power of God was on them as they were sharing the message of Christ risen. And people were coming to faith as God was drawing them, as God was doing the saving. They were the ambassadors. They were the spokesmen. God was doing the saving. And you say, wait a minute, Pastor Mark. If I had the power of God on me like that, I'd be sharing Jesus with everybody. Don't deceive yourself. Because the truth that I pray it's hammered into your heart this morning. Now listen to me, brothers and sisters. The same Jesus that sent them has sent you. The same spirit that empowered them indwells you. The same commission that was given to them has been given to you. The same power is yours because Jesus lives in you. Difference is two things. Number one, they were a people of desperate prayer. Because they had a mission and it was, they were nervous about it. And they knew they couldn't accomplish it in their own strength. So throughout the book of Acts, you see them praying, crying out to God, trusting God, asking God. That's why tonight at 6 o'clock, we're not gathering over here just because you ought to have a prayer service. I hope we're gathering as a bunch of desperate people who know without the power of God, we can't do anything. Secondly, they didn't wait. <laughs> they didn't wait until they felt powerful to step out and obey what Jesus had called them to do. You hear that? For me? I'm going to have a lunch with a fellow this week. I feel very powerless. That's a good place to be. I want to share the gospel. I feel very powerless. But I'm not going to wait until I feel powerful. Because you know when you experience the power of God in our lives? When you step out in faith and you trust him to do what he said he was going to do. You hear that? That's a good word. These guys stepped out and they did what Jesus was calling them to do because they were enamored with who Christ was. And on the other side of obedience, the Bible says, and the hand of God was with them. The hand of God was with them the entire time. But when they stepped out in faith and obedience, even when it was scary, even when they didn't feel powerful, they experienced the very power of God that, oh, by the way, they had had all the time because the Spirit dwells within them. Trust Him. Trust him. 
Step out even when you don't feel powerful and trust him. He's called, equipped, empowered you to do what you can't do of your own strength. Call out to him in prayer. Ask for his strength. Ask for his boldness and trust him. That's the place we live. See? Third big idea, or big, uh, big idea, and we're finished, and this will be very quick, and then the elders are going to join me on stage. Number three, ordinary disciples sharing Jesus plant churches. Overflow of that is a culture where people are sharing the gospel, verse 26, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers there. A church was planted that wasn't there before. Why? Because disciples, ordinary, everyday disciples were going and making Jesus known. And wherever God planted them, they continued to do that. And churches were birthed because of it. And by the way, you're here today as a result of their faithfulness and the power of God. Ordinary, everyday disciples... The fruit of that will be the planting of new churches. And we're going to talk about that this week. We want to continue to grow in that as a church. So our elders are going to join us on stage. We're going to talk a little bit about what this week is going to look like. And as they're making their way up, I want you to watch a short minute, minute and a half video or so about this idea of planting churches. So turn your attention to the screen. There are places on earth I was curious when I came here, they'll say, why did you move here? That are like no place on earth. So I stopped in the visitor center. I just asked them, are there any evangelical churches? And she looked at us and said, there's, there's no church like that here. Places that are broken. It's just a real picture of a city that's hit rock bottom, really. Places that are close. A lot of people question, you know, if you're a real missionary, why don't you go overseas? Places that you and your church can reach. It's important for us to be partnering. I think it's good to be involved beyond what I like to say, beyond the fences. We don't have the luxury of just reaching our neighbors. He said we've got to reach the nation and the nation. Today, there are thousands of churches like yours helping start thousands more churches that will then start thousands more churches. That is multiplication. So that in every broken place, wherever there are people who need to hear, there will be people and churches who are ready to plant. church body and good morning guys uh, one of the things we wanted to do is just <clears throat> from the message this morning just re-emphasize and highlight some of the things about this week in particular in the life of our church we're calling neighbors and nations and Mike let me give you just one chance to maybe summarize you address this a lot in your sermon but I mean when you step back is there anything you want to either repeat or add to uh, in terms of what you hope what we hope that we're able to accomplish this week through Neighbors and yeah. Nations. Awesome. Thanks, David. It's awesome to get to preach and then get to say it again. Yeah, that's, that's good. Right. Uh, so a <clears throat> couple things I would just say. I hope that everyone who calls Tri-Cities Baptist Church home, members especially this week, I hope we're challenged. I really do. I mean, we lose focus and we drift and all the different things that pull on us. I'm there too. That's why I'm a part of this body. I hope we're challenged and reminded of the privilege we've been given, the responsibility we've been given, 
I hope we see our neighbors differently. We're reminded in that. And at the same time, I hope our eyes are lifted up a little bit to see the incredible potential we have as a church and what God, what God lets us be a part of. That what starts right here at home with faithfulness, we talk about this, it starts right here with your neighbors, that's why we say it, really does flow to the ends of the earth. And a little church here, Tri-Cities, we get to be a part of touching the world. And I want you to see the, what that can be and how, how your part is, that, is in that. What is your part in that? And the other thing with that I would say is kind of what I referred to earlier. It's, it's, a, it's a growth for all of us. It's, it's we move the dial a little bit further. If you're part of this church, we're growing in this. That what for many people continues to just be most, the most foreign, unnatural thing of sharing the gospel becomes more natural. Not that it's ever easy, not that it's ever done in our own power, I don't mean that, but the more control Jesus has of our life, the less of self, the Spirit of God in us says He testifies of Christ. That's what He does. So the more the Spirit of God controls us, just like the fruit of the Spirit, the more sharing the gospel with others becomes who we are. It's just who we are. And you won't be able to stop that. We don't, I hope there's a day we don't have to have a share week. We don't have to have, we don't need it, because it's just who we are throughout the year. Things like Share Week are to help get us there, that those things become who we are. Yeah, so that's a hope, good. that's a prayer. So, Jeff, say a little bit more about that, because we are trying to build a culture, mm -hmm. and yet we do have these very discreet things this week where we yeah. say, the week of November 11th, is that today, uh, share a meal with somebody, you know, how, how do... What are we trying to do? How are we using that as a tool to then leverage into this culture? Yeah, we're trying to give the church, obviously, some handles or opportunities. And I think it's important for us to, as leaders even to, to push that, even at a maybe uncomfortable level. Mm -hmm. uh, so I told earlier service, if you take all the adults are in this room, that's about 7,000 meals that you'll have between now and Saturday. So double that. 14,000 times this week, our church will have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So why not redeem some of that specifically for the opportunity to share the gospel with someone? Why not take a planned lunch or dinner, breakfast, um, coffee is what I'm going to do tomorrow, and, and use that to share the gospel? So I think we have to remind ourselves, because Mike said it, we kind of drift that, that, listen, this is what we're called to do. We're called to bring God the glory by making disciples who make disciples. That's why we exist. And, and so we're going to take a week and emphasize that and, and provide equipping and training and accountability through, the, through our life groups and things like that. And I know for me, it doesn't naturally happen if I don't plan it. So even like tomorrow afternoon, uh, I've, I've got, I'm meeting an international student for coffee at ETSU. He asked if he could bring two friends. Of course, my answer is yes. I have no idea how it's going to go. I had to clear tomorrow afternoon, like I'll come into my office in the morning and then I'm gone because... I'm, I'm making that happen. So that's what we want for the church. It, it, it is an event. It's a program. But, but we believe much more it's, it's a lifestyle that we just we ought to have every week. And, and I hope Share Meals Meal continue, obviously, after this week and the next week and the next week. It just continues to happen. So that's yeah. it's just a way to, to push a little bit, uh, maybe make it a little uncomfortable, say, listen, we're going to do this and we're going to talk about it. So there's – go ahead. Yeah. I, I'll just say I think one of the things that we've got to realize is – especially the younger you are in the room, the more individualized our culture has become. And so we naturally want to push back against anything that feels corporate or programmed. 
And it is true, evangelism is something that we live as the overflow of our life, just like worship. Can you imagine, though, someone coming up to you and saying, I'm not going to go to that church. They programmed worship. You say, what do they mean? Well, you know, they worship at 9.30 and 11. They just don't let it naturally happen. They have plans for the songs that they sing. Like, they've, they've chosen them. We don't all just show up and sing whatever we want. And so I feel real restricted by their program. See, no matter what, we program as a church because ultimately programs are just strategies in which we come together wisely as a whole, our gifts benefiting the mutual good and the advancement of the gospel. That's what we do. And so when we hold out something like neighbors and nations and coming together and having these share meals, they're tools to help us, to come alongside and advance us. And where it really gets felt is in the lives of our people. Real quick, I'll just give you an example. And I think uh, maybe one of these guys can share in just a minute about maybe a share meal or something like that that you have planned. But, you know, in my life group, my life group's not a particularly old group. We're not young. We're spread out and demographic. But I think it was about a year and a half ago. We went through a one-year stretch where we buried three people that were our names. Three people who were people we weren't unsure about their salvation. And together as a group, we prayed for one another to have boldness, to go clearly proclaim the gospel to those people. At the end of that, I would say we didn't see any saving faith or repentance. Or, we, we don't know how all that worked out. But I will tell you, as a group of believers, the accountability that we held for one another and those little tools we facilitated helped us as a group ensure that that person heard the gospel and had a chance to respond to the gospel. And that was meaningful to us. We were in that together. It wasn't judgment. It wasn't heavy. It wasn't, oh, if you didn't get it this week, you fail. You know, it wasn't that. But it was the people of God taking serious the responsibility to be ambassadors and step outside of our comfort when there are people with an eternity in hell at stake. And that was meaningful to us. And so these strategies, these programs that we hold up, they're not just programs in the sense of, it's not rigid. It's us about um, coming alongside of one another as brothers and sisters and saying, we are set apart for the mission of God, and it changes lives. Let us walk through that with you. I don't know, maybe, maybe one of you guys have something that you want to share in terms of an example this week, something you got lined up? Well, Jeff just shared, you know, tomorrow. What time? Yeah, tomorrow at 3 o'clock is the plan. So. 3 o'clock. So there's one good real example uh, if you don't know of anybody that's planning a share meal this week you can mark on your calendars tomorrow at three o'clock we ought to be praying for jeff palmeter as he's sitting down and having mm -hmm. a meal with three individuals who are unbelievers mm -hmm. and we can do that for one another all throughout the week yeah um daniel mike mike's big idea i wrote it down here i should have had it memorized but um, Making disciples demands us to share Jesus and leads us to plant churches. Now, he talked about that a little bit in the sermon, but I mean, help, help us connect those dots a little bit. What is it about a share culture that then naturally leads us to plant churches? Uh, as we make disciples who make disciples, churches will get planted. I think for us, we probably want to somehow make planting churches like an organizational thing. And I think probably the greatest thing we could do is to take a step back and remember what the church is. So the church isn't an organization, building, or a strategy. The church is people. It's the family of God. It's the gathering of God's people. 
And so when we gather together and we pursue the mission of God, we pursue the advancement of the gospel, making disciples, what we're going to see is churches planted. Yes, there's a strategic part, but it's an overflow. And so the challenge that I would give you to that is each one of you have a responsibility to make Jesus known in such a way that makes disciples who makes disciples that plants churches. You have a part in planting churches where you're at this week. And I think the, the hurdle is overcoming the obstacles. We sang a song. I think this is a good way for you to remember this. I asked the guys to put up on the screen the verse for the song that we sang. I want you to listen to how this ends. All I am for your kingdom's cause. All of who you are for the cause of Christ. If we live that way, church, we'll plant churches. It, it, it's not rocket science. It's not some... Uh, grand strategy. It's not some organizational thing. Sure, all those parts come in as we pursue wisdom, but planting churches is an overflow of us being faithful to the Great Commission. We can't not plant churches if we're making disciples who make disciples. And to Mike's point, that'll let us, little us right here, me and all my inadequacies and all my inferiority mm -hmm. here in East Tennessee, I'll have a part of planting churches locally, across our nation, and ultimately across the world by just being faithful to the call to make disciples who make disciples. Yeah, I think we know that, but I'll add to that really quick. Some may hear planting churches, and the first thing you think, well, man, I'll get, get my hammer. I mean, I know it's really basic. Plant churches, we're, okay, so we're going to go find where they need church buildings, we're going to go build church buildings. We may do that someday. That's not a bad thing. The point is it's people leading people to Christ, and when you get enough people there, you got a church. <laughs> and you organize a church, and you start a church. That's people leading people to Christ and forming new churches. Some here and especially in cities around America and the world where there are no, there are no or very few gospel-centered churches. That's what we mean when we say church planting. Buildings may come. We're talking about people reproducing the gospel in people yeah. that results in churches. Yeah, so that's, that's a big emphasis for us this week. And uh, part of it, I wouldn't say it culminates, but a big part of it is, Jeff, this give-to-go banquet that we have on Friday. And um, can you just tell us more about that, what it is, and, and who should come? It's catered by Golden Corral. Did <laughs> you know that? You just, did you mention that in this sermon, too? It just got yeah, of course okay. I did. It's my ongoing joke. <laughs> so I know some of you will be at Golden Corral today after church, so <laughs> Probably don't be ashamed today. and don't be offended, okay? No, I'm not going <laughs> to do a show of hands. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so we are having a banquet Friday night. It'll be in our gym. We call The Rock, and obviously it's for the, the entire church body. We have... Child care being provided, you need to register for that. And we think if your children are elementary age or up, they need to come and be a part of this. And we're going to have a panel. We're going to hear from uh, church planters that have been in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Denver, Colorado, and Washington, D.C. And uh, so we're going to hear, it's going to be interactive, and we're going we're to talk to you guys, too, about what is this give to go? Why, why should we give together to advance the gospel through planting churches, through making disciples? And so it's a way for us to come together as a church uh, and, and hear about how we do that together. So it's going to be a, a simple meal. Uh, we uh, Life groups can reserve a table and sit together. We're going to have a few guest church pastors here as well. And, and we just want to have this conversation about we share the gospel, we make disciples from that, we plant churches. Just like the church in Antioch, it was just ordinary, regular people like all of us that just talked about Jesus. Wherever they went, they were Jesus people, and they talked about it and they shared mm -hmm. it. So this is a way for us to have a meal and talk about it, hear from these planters, and, and celebrate uh, giving together in, in new ways that we can advance. Yeah, so that's, that's one big item on our calendar. Out uh, 
on the table outside in the foyer, there's a whole lineup of things that are taking place this week. We've highlighted some in the sermon, and even now, uh, obviously, it begins tonight with the prayer service. We'll start this week by praying together at the outpost at 6 o'clock. Jeff will mention some other things as he closes the service, but I would encourage you, if you haven't got it in your possession, to get this one pager of all the activities taking place this week uh, in par as part of Neighbors and Nations. So let me now just uh, thank you guys and for your comments. Let me close this in prayer, and I'll ask our ushers to go ahead and make their way forward, and I'll just lead us right into our time of offering. <clears throat> Let's pray. God, thank you for this uh, time and this focus and emphasis. Lord, uh, making disciples demands that we share Jesus. And so, to the degree that this is unnatural for us, may we at least take the attitude, starting with myself, to be obedient until it does become natural because this is a matter of obedience there's no uh, wiggle room in the words of Christ and in scripture in terms of our responsibility and our privilege to share the greatest news the world has ever known so may this week of neighbors and nations and the emphasis we're putting on it propel us into a culture where, as Mike said, in the future we don't even have weeks like this because this is just who we are, 365 days of the year. Lord, help us to be people who are generous uh, with what you've given us, uh, not only now during a time of tithes and offerings, but also as we move into the, this Friday's banquet and as we think about materially what we can do to contribute to uh, the church planning and the things, the specific examples that are in front of us. Uh, thank you for all of the many people over the years who have given to give to go, and, and, and we continue that that builds over time, that we are able to use those funds very strategically to advance the gospel around the world. Again, we thank you for this day, for your many blessings. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.